0: It's 11:30 here on this Tuesday, August 10th. It's time for midday. Tyler Cavalli, along with you. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Going to be another warm one, another muggy one, especially if you are out east, where the uh, humidity is going to be up in the. Well, it's in the 80s already. The dew point is in Nebraska City. We'll get more on that coming up in about 15 minutes with our regional ag weather update with Paul Perkins. Jason Jorgensen is in with sports. Huskers practicing once again. We'll get uh, an update on that. And uh, UNK football started to practice yesterday as well. Bob Brogan is in on this Tuesday. He'll tell us how stocks are performing. But as we usually do, let's head back to Lincoln, where our own Susan Littlefield is at. Susan, how are you doing so far?
1: I'm doing well. There's about... uh Six semis that have moved, if you wanted to know the semi count.
0: I was very curious on that, obviously for the <laughs> Garth Brooks concert this upcoming Saturday. We talked about that an hour ago. Has there been more semis or have they moved at all?
1: They're they're actually moving and they must be headed over to the stadium to get started setting up.
0: Okay. Very good. Well it's 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 a it's not a quick setup for a Garth Brooks concert. It's and a, a
1: cool day to do it. <laughs>
0: True. Yeah, true that. They couldn't have asked for a better day. They're not going to sweat at all out there. No, not at all. (laughs) What do you have coming up for us on Midday?
1: Well, Whitney's going to step in here at 1219 as the Nebraska 4-H Foundation is preparing for the Nebraska State Fair by providing premium money and more, and she'll talk more details about that real quick on the Nebraska State Fair for our 4-H and FFA parents that are listening. Today is the last day to get yourself uh, on the computer. Get your kids' livestock in there after 8 p.m. tonight. They will not be taking any more entries so keep that in mind. Then uh, coming up at 12.45, I'll step in with Roger Berry with Talking Ethanol in the state of Nebraska and work that they continue to do to promote. Then at one seventeen, it's Bryce talking with the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Center for Agriculture and Profitability. There's an event coming up here August 12th. So that is a look at the midday from the farm team.
0: Okay, good stuff. Thank you very much, Susan. Enjoy the rest of your day.
1: All right, talk to you shortly.
0: All
2: right, let's catch up with Jason Jorgensen in sports. Talk a little football. Also, we'll talk a little volleyball. G Pack preseason ratings are out. Jamestown is favored to win it. Really, so they put some things together. Also, some of our local schools are expected to have a uh, decent seasons. Also, we'll talk a little bit m- more about this dust up last night in Lincoln, uh, where the university asked people to come out mm-hmm. and wanted to show them the alternate uniforms. The media got wind of it, you know, that, that nasty, rotten, mm-hmm. tough Lincoln sports media. They, they went down there and, well, then they were told they weren't invited And anyone who has video or pictures of the Nebraska alternate uniforms that they will wear against Buffalo. They're all embargoed mm. until August 31st. So who's to say someone from the public doesn't share those pictures on social media? True, you're not. If you have those, you're not supposed to. I would think eventually it would leak out. Yeah. but uh, have you seen
0: any picture leak?
2: No. Wow. And I don't have enough interest. Wow. I, I think Nebraska has bigger issues. Like, no, I agree with that. Than uh, what uniform they're going to use against Buffalo. I'm just surprised yeah. no pictures
0: yeah. have come out on social media. Well, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. All right, sounds good. Bob's, how are stocks performing?
3: A little bit higher. A little bit lower. Kind of mixed right now. Also, the Senate is poised to approve that $1 trillion infrastructure plan today. And gamblers have been helping out uh, the casino industry big time and uh, laughing all the way to the bank. All
0: right. Thank you very much. More Nebraskan. It's time for regional ag weather update. Paul Perkins is now joining us here on this Tuesday. And... Well, Paul, it's going to be a, a muggy day, especially if you're out east once again.
4: Yeah, once well, again, those southeastern locations are uh, going to see the heat index values today up to around 105 to 109. Already up to 92 on the feels like raining in Beatrice and Concordia. 94 on the feels like raining in Lincoln and Omaha, sitting at 96. Nebraska City with mm-hmm. the feels like raining currently at 98 degrees with the heat and humidity. Most of us with temperatures right now in the upper 70s to the low 80s but a little more heat as you go off to the east. They're just ahead of this cold front, so it's kind of a weak cold front that's moving Mm. through.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because it's not even noon yet, and the eastern region of uh, Nebraska is already feeling like 100 degrees and still going to get
4: warmer. Yeah, it's getting very toasty with that heat and humidity, and that compares with temperatures right now in the upper 60s to the low 70s. Very nice out in the Nebraska (laughs) panhandle right now. (laughs) Nice little reprieve
0: from the heat out there, that's for sure. But once again, we're noticing that haze.
4: Yes, that smoky haze once again. And this time around is coming from the wildfires out west. Uh, Of course, the previous smoke was from some wildfires up in uh, Canada. There were some of that activity was coming in from the northeast. But once again, back to some smoky haze conditions, especially across the west from the wildfires out west. But for the most part
0: today, it's going to be a step back of the temperatures that we saw from yesterday.
4: Yeah, most of us saw some very toasty temperatures yesterday, including some triple-digit readings yesterday. Made it up to 103 in Imperial, 102 in McCook, 100 in Ord, 101 in O'Neill. That compares with much more uh, better temperatures right now in Ord right now with a temperature of 81. Once again, most of us with some upper 70s to low 80s. Quite a bit of cloud cover Run right along the Nebraska-Kansas border into northern Kansas, and that's thanks to a little bit of light shower activity. Maybe some of it just making it to the ground as some sprinkles from about Abwood on over to Oberlin south to around the Colby area. A little more organized light rain to the south of I-70, to the south of Wakini and Ellis. In behind a weak cold front today, still slightly warmer than usual with some sunshine, heat, and humidity across the southeast areas ahead of that front, making it once again feel like it's in the mid to upper 100s. Tomorrow, most of Thursday, will be dry and slightly warmer with highs solidly in the 90s, so a notch higher than what we're seeing today. A high-pressure ridge will be building up to the south and west to help out with that heat. Off and on, thunderstorm chances start to return by late Thursday into Sunday night with the cold front. Looks like our best chance of thunderstorms Thursday afternoon through Friday night with the front in the region. There will be some slightly lower thunderstorm chances with some weak disturbances dropping southeast Saturday into Sunday night. Friday through Monday, much cooler and pleasant. Get this, highs dropping into the low to mid 80s or just slightly below average by that time period. I'm guessing everybody in the mood for some relief from the heat. I know Tyler Cavalli is.
0: You know, I love the heat. I love the humidity. But, uh, days like yesterday, that's pretty brutal. Yes, To have that much, that many days.
4: Yeah, right around the 80s, the ideal temperature for me. Yes, exactly. In the most recent long-term forecast, Overall temperatures are forecast to be slightly warmer than normal for Nebraska and Kansas. Sunday through August 23rd, we will see once again that slightly cooler stretch for early next week. Better hopes for rainfall in the long term forecast. Nebraska and Kansas rainfall early next week expected to remain slightly below normal, but there is now a forecast trend for near normal to slightly above normal rainfall for Nebraska and Kansas by late next week through August 23rd. Key weather factors affecting the markets include rain continuing across the eastern and southern and more heat and dry weather in parts of southwest Russia. Next five days, meaningful rain, mostly confined to areas along and southeast of the line from Arizona to Wisconsin. Rainfall in several regions, mainly across the southwest. Midwest and mid-Atlantic could total 1 to 3 inches. In northwestern areas of the Midwest, recent rain was not enough for many areas and more is needed. Additional scattered thunderstorms are expected for the Midwest, including the drier northwest. Towards the southern plains, recent rain is good for the filling corn and soybeans where there was rain. Isolated showers will continue through the week with more activity by the weekend. The northern plains, drier for at least the next week causing areas that missed out on some rain to remain in dire straits for corn and soybeans in the filling stage. Only limited rain is expected in the eastern Black Sea region. Southwest Russia continues to be hot and dry. Showers falling in eastern Ukraine and northwest Russia the next several days may finally bring some relief in the way of needed rain and cooler temperatures to the Volga Valley of Russia by this weekend.
0: So we have a potential for some... Or precipitation, um, but it doesn't sound like a lot.
4: No, probably going to be seeing some light amounts because we just really don't see any organized storm system mm-hmm. moving in to bring us some good soaking rains. Maybe some localized amounts, kind of like we've seen over the last few right. days where people have seen yeah. some two to three inch rainfalls, but a lot of us are not going to see a whole lot.
0: And you and I were talking off air, but uh, one of the the pickup winner or registration winner, I should, or qualifier, uh-huh. should say, uh, from the Hartwell area, he got some pretty good rain the last couple of days. Yeah,
4: over the last uh, week or so, he's had about two to three inches of rain. And, you know, of course, we had those three-inch rains from about Grand Island to Osceola mm-hmm. on Saturday night. So, yeah, you know, southeastern locations, in pretty good shape. It's just more to the north and west. A little more rain is needed.
0: What's new, though? What's <laughs> new? It always seems to be dry out west, that's for sure. Well, for a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that?
4: Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul.
5: Whitney Steckle joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. As state fair season heats up, so is the Nebraska 4-H Foundation as they're getting ready to provide premium money for the exhibitors. Today we are talking with Abby Durheim with the Nebraska 4-H Foundation. Abby, tell me a little bit about what the foundation is up to this summer.
6: The Nebraska Four H Foundation is in the midst of all of our summer plans, but much like how Nebraska four H gets really busy with projects and Fairs and all those other fun things that get associated with summer. The Nebraska 4-H Foundation has a similar timeline and to-do list. Our big projects right now are raising money for the Nebraska 4-H State Fair Livestock Shows and the State Fair Static Exhibits. And doing all of those the things that go with that, raising money, connecting with donors and making sure that we're able to recognize our kiddos and our 4-Hers from across the state with all of the things that they have been working hard for and being able to provide them a little extra incentive and support in that regard.
5: Tell me a little bit about how the premium process might look for State Fair 4-H exhibitors.
6: So at the Nebraska 4-H State Fair, when an exhibitor wins in the livestock sector, at least when an exhibitor wins a division or um, wins a breed or wins a show, that is when they get kicked over to the Nebraska 4-H Foundation premiums so that it separates out from like what you get when you get a purple or a blue in class versus when you get like those extra awards on top of that. And when they get their awards, they are encouraged to write a thank you note um, to their sponsors and then they that, thinking it comes back to us and once we've gotten the approval from State Fair and the State 4-H office, um, it's usually end of September, beginning of October. uh, Those checks start going out to exhibitors who have uh, won those awards and are able to receive their money.
5: So the premium money that the Nebraska 4-H Foundation is able to provide comes from your donors, correct?
6: Yes, absolutely. We are so thankful to have um, amazing donors that provide us funds to help give these kids some extra premiums and to be able to sponsor those cool plaques and awards that also go out with um, the Nebraska State Fair awards and winnings. And we are always looking to have more donors come into that pool so that we can keep making even more kids have access to these opportunities and to these special awards.
5: You guys also provide scholarships annually as well.
6: Yes, we are so excited to be able to give out scholarships to senior 4-H'ers across the state every year. So when 4-H'ers in January have the opportunity to apply using the Nebraska 4-H Achievement Application, and they have, we get all those applications back in and in the Nebraska 4-H Foundation office we sit and read them all and get an opportunity to hear about some Nebraska 4-Hers stories and how 4-H has impacted them and then provide different scholarships to different kids that are staying both here locally in Nebraska and who are going to further their education outside of Nebraska.
5: To donate to the Nebraska 4-H Foundation or to learn more, you can visit any4hfoundation.org. This has been Whitney Steckel reporting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff.
0: It is time for Midday Sports... Jason Jorgensen is now joining us, and we are finding out more information about Nebraska Volleyball.
2: We are. They'll play on national TV 15 times this year, including 14 matches on the Big Ten Network. Eight of the Huskers' eight 18 home matches will be televised on BTN. Now, Nebraska opens up the campaign with a Husker Invitational, August 27th and 28th at the Vandy Center. The Huskers will face Tulsa that morning at 11, Colgate at 6.30, followed by matches against Kansas State in the first televised match at four that Saturday. I will have a ton of Husker matches as well that you can listen to. On Cami Country and also here on 880 KRV. That's right. While the uh, TV sets the times and the the you know we we air them right here on KRV and in Cami, so you Either can way. find most of them. Yeah, we'll have we'll, we will have most of them. University of Jamestown tallied up 115 points and was picked first in this year's Great Plains Athletic Conference preseason coaches' volleyball poll. Midland, the NAIA runner-up last year, was picked second. Dort is picked to finish third, while Concordia comes mm. in fourth with 89 points. That would surprise me a little bit. Concordia's, I think they returned some players, but they're, they're going the right direction. Yeah, that, that program certainly has. Nebraska continues to work its way through fall camp. Tight ends coach Sean Beckton says quarterback Adrian
7: Martinez has looked pretty sharp. He went to another level. He went to another level, oh, another level. And we're excited about it because that's the Adrian Martinez we've been wanting to see. He's really, really at a good spot right here. And everybody across the board of the team knows it, and they're following him when the team follows your quarterback, you really going to have a great team. He's playing on a high level.
2: I'm reserving judgment this year, <laughs> Tyler Cavalli, because we've heard this before.
0: So if they struggle, is it because he's struggling? So if he throws interceptions, does the rest of the team follow him as well? Uh, I, does, does I it, it, it's got to work both ways, it, right? It
2: does. Uh, but, I'm with you, though. We've heard all the talk. It doesn't really yep, transition yeah. to the football field. UNK started off fall camp yesterday with a couple of workouts. A number of veterans are back, including sixth-year running back Dayton Seeley of Hastings. And he feels the lopers are in good shape in that backfield.
8: Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of guys back there who can run the ball. Uh, Montrez, we got a lot of guys who can run the ball, and we got a lot of guys who can block. And all those people have had experience doing both. And so, I mean, I'm not worried if somebody goes down or if somebody has to step up. I think we got it covered this year.
2: Stanley, he's the old man of the backfield. Mm-hmm. I asked him yesterday if he felt like a grizzled veteran, and he said yes. Uh, two years ago, he rushed for more than 700 yards and three TDs. And uh, UNK was scheduled to work out again this morning. Like Dayton's been there since I was in college, uh, which has <laughs> now been many years ago. Was, uh, we asked him why he came back, and he said, after putting five years into that program, and he said, I'm not walking away mm-hmm. with just two games last mm-hmm. fall. Yes, and that's kind of the whole attitude behind this year's UNK squad. Just hopefully everything goes right this mm-hmm. fall. Yep, and hopefully they get up to a good start on September 2nd at home against Missouri Southern. That's sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com.
0: It is time for midday news. News director Dave Schroeder is now joining us. And Dave, we are, I guess you got some comments, uh, or uh, yeah, from a couple of our Nebraska senators about an infrastructure bill that passed.
9: Yes, the Nebraska's two U.S. senators split their votes on the $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure plan that was passed this morning in the U.S. Senate. Senator Deb Fisher voted in favor, saying the bill makes long awaited investments to rebuild and develop roads, bridges, water infrastructure, airports, and broadband. Senator Ben Sass, meanwhile, voted against it, describing it as spending money the country doesn't have, and that, contrary to claims, the measure won't pay for itself in light of the highest consumer prices in 13 years. The Senate next turns to Biden's bigger package, a $3.5 trillion plan, with debate likely to extend into the fall. The fire that's burned around 6,000 acres of ground in northwest Nebraska is largely contained, according to Region 22 Emergency Manager Tim Newman. The Hackberry Fire started late last week and moved through mostly grassland and timbers of Banner and Morrill Counties, according to Newman.
10: Uh, we got a lot of ponderosa pine, very steep terrain, uh, very hard to get people or vehicles in into. Uh, so we 're using a lot of a lot of helicopter assets and uh, and using some road graders and uh, and dozers to to cut some line and,
9: and fire departments from Wyoming and Nebraska have assisted along with air water tankers based in Nebraska, Rapid City, and Colorado the nebraska emergency management agency nebraska state fire marshal nebraska forest service and firefighter ministry have also assisted with logistical support this is the third year of the Nebraska game and parks Take 'Em fishing giveaway program that gives people an incentive to take someone out fishing daryl bauer nebraska game and parks fisheries outreach program manager says the sport of fishing has multiple benefits for one it's just a great activity to get involved in it's good for you it's a lot of fun it's a great stress reliever and a great family activity it's a sport the whole family can do together it's important also for our resources um, because the fact is, is the management the stewardship of our fisheries resources is paid for entirely by the sale of fishing permits and by excise taxes collected on the sale of fishing and a tackle and and boating equipment. Well, the deadline for the Take'em Fishing Giveaway Challenge is September 15th. To submit your photo of taking someone fishing, go to OutdoorNebraska.gov. On the Rural Radio
2: Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Eighty-two degrees. KRBN, the River and Cami is going platinum for the summer of 2021. We're giving you a chance to win a brand new 2020 Ram 3500 dually pickup with a Hillsboro aluminum flatbed. We're celebrating a big year with an even bigger prize. Thanks in part to Dyna Grow Seed, RAI of Nebraska in Ravenna, Shelton, and Loop City. Cornerstone Bank, member FDIC, with 46 locations serving Nebraska and Lexington Regional Health Center. We're giving you a lot of ways to register to win. Stop by one of the many registration locations across the state. Come and see us at a summer event and listen for your chance to call in and register on air. You'll have a lot of fun driving this from the pasture to a tailgate outside of Memorial. More Nebraska.
1: Work is underway to continue to promote ethanol within the state of Nebraska and beyond. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. During last week's Governor's Ag and Economic Summit that took place in Kearney, I caught up with Roger Berry. Roger is the administrator for the Nebraska Althinol Board. As we talked about the importance this industry has to the state of Nebraska.
11: You're exactly right, Susan. Ethanol does play an extremely important role in, in Nebraska's economy and in the economic development of our state. I mean, we've done economic studies throughout the the years of ethanol, and at one point, we're not there right now due to situations, but at one point, we were a $5 billion industry in the state of Nebraska. We still bring fourteen hundred, over 1,400 jobs to the state. That's direct jobs in the plants. When you start talking about uh, other types of jobs that are supporting type jobs, we're, we're well over 5,000 jobs that it contributes to the state of Nebraska. So the ethanol industry is a huge economic development tool for the state of Nebraska.
1: We could almost add jobs in there to the number of farmers that are producing the corn that you guys need for the ethanol.
11: That's exactly right. If you want to go to that, those are direct jobs for the ethanol plants of providing that corn, and you all know how important farming is to this state.
1: Considering the the current mode with E15 and year-round, what stance or what work is Nebraska Ethanol Board doing to help educate those in Washington about the importance of use year-round?
11: Well, of course, we're reaching out to our entire congressional delegation. Our congressional delegation is fantastic when it comes to ethanol. They also realize how important it is, not only to Nebraska, but to the Midwest and to the nation. It's extremely important to our entire nation. But um, we are confident that something will be done. We are going, in September, on September 15th, it won't make any difference anyhow that the court has said that we can't sell E15 because of a, a, a thing, I'm not gonna get too technical here, a thing called reed vapor pressure. When we go into the winter months, we don't have to worry about that reed vapor pressure. But we, we have until June 1st of next year to have something done. And I think this audience is probably well aware that a bill has been introduced in Congress, I believe on both the Senate and the House side. And we are very hopeful that that gets passed. If for some reason that doesn't get passed, we can still work on regulations with EPA. And if that doesn't get passed, there's still a third option in there to where we can do something statewide. And have several states that are saying, you know what, we, th- we want to sell E15. And there's some, some ways of going, I won't go into the details, but there's some ways of, of doing that. So we are very confident that um, as a consumer, you're going to be able to continue to buy E15, which saves you money.
1: Sometimes you got to love loopholes. Yep, you do. I also find it interesting when you, when you look, Roger, at the current administration and the push that they've had to be environmentally friendly. Um, just this last week, I heard the Ag Secretary make a comment that, electric cars are not going to be here tomorrow. And he even bragged about having a 2006 vehicle that they were just getting ready to trade in. So ethanol plays a very vital role when it comes to environmentally friendly.
11: It does. You know, all the talk right now is about electrics and zero emissions from, from this electric vehicle. Let's keep in mind there is no such thing as zero emissions. Everything we do on this planet as human beings has some sort of a an impact on the earth as far as emissions goes. So when, when you hear that term zero emissions, just... Keep in your mind, yeah, the car itself is not emitting anything out of a tailpipe, but there's still emissions involved. The thing is, ethanol all along has been the main tool for reduction of carbon up to this point. California, on their low-carbon fuel standard, ethanol has brought about the majority of their carbon reduction, according to their program. We're very proud of that. You know, ethanol, as compared to gasoline, a study was just done the other day, now has 46% reduction in greenhouse gases over straight gasoline we're proud of that what that means is that we can have an effect on the emissions from our auto automobile fleet right now today with something we already have with something we already have a majority of the infrastructure set up for that everybody can use right now today and start making a difference
1: ethanol has been around for pretty much ever it feels like, but we still have a lot of hurdles with consumers. What's some of the biggest things Nebraska ethanol boards had to deal with lately?
11: Well, we continue on the, the educational route to try and to let people know that a lot of the things that they hear just simply aren't true. Uh, it's, it, you put higher blends of ethanol in your car over that 10%, it's not going to leave your car sitting on the side of the road broken down like many people hear. Uh, if that was the case, we'd see cars sitting all over because there's a lot of people using more than 10% ethanol in their cars. So uh, we continue to uh, hit on the fallacies, uh, the food versus fuel ideas flaring up again we use 40% of the corn. Well, in Nebraska, about 35% of the corn is used for ethanol. That still leaves an awful lot of corn to feed our livestock and to export to the rest of the world. So the thing people forget about is most of the corn, well, all of the corn used in ethanol is not used for human consumption. It's used for livestock feed. What comes out of an ethanol plant as a co-product? Distiller's grain, which is is, uh, two-thirds of that corn that went in there. The only thing we're using for ethanol is the starch. So the rest of that is being fed as livestock feeds. So when you hear people talking about food versus fuel and how ethanol is raising the price of, of the food we eat, eat, raising the price of the, the fuel that we use, that is, is, is it, it's not true.
1: Some great advice. Roger Berry joining us with the Nebraska Ethanol Board. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
3: With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are wobbling between small gains and losses as losses from technology companies offset gains from banks and industrial companies. The S&P 500 index rose two tenths of a percent, while the Dow rose four tenths of a percent, and the Nasdaq Composite slipped four tenths of a percent. Crude oil prices were 3.3% higher after slumping the day before. With a robust vote after weeks of fits and starts, the Senate has approved the $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure plan. A rare coalition of Democrats and Republicans joined together to deliver a cornerstone of President Joe Biden's agenda. Passage provides momentum as it's now headed to the House. The package would provide almost $550 billion in new spending over five years for roads, bridges, broadband, Internet, water pipes, and other public works systems senate democratic majority leader chuck schumer said it will do a lot of good for america a new poll finds that most americans have high trust in doctors nurses and pharmacists researchers say that trust could become important in the push to increase covid 19 vaccinations as long as unvaccinated people have care providers they know and are open to hearing new information about the vaccines the poll from the university of chicago harris school of public policy and the associated press norc center for public affairs research shows at least seven in ten americans trust doctors nurses and pharmacists to do what's right for them and their families either most or all of the time gamblers anxious to hit the slot machines and table games in person after a year of coronavirus restrictions are lifting the u.s casino industry to its best year ever the American Gaming Association says that casinos had their best second quarter in history, taking in $13.6 billion. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob R- Bryce Duskett on the
10: Rural Radio Network, joining you inside the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska soybean farmers and their checkoff. Today we're joined with Dave Akin. He's a professor in agricultural law and water specialist in the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Department of Agricultural Economics. Dave, UNL is hosting a webinar to feature a panel discussion with ag carbon credit organizations. This is coming up noon on August 12th. What can you tell us about the webinar?
7: Well... Uh, we have uh, three panelists, uh, one from Bayer, one from SIBO, and the third from Grassroots Carbon. And the first two uh, focus mainly on crop production, and so they'll be looking at those kinds of uh, options and programs. And the last one is the only one I believe well, that I've been able to find that deals with uh, grasslands and pasture. And so if we've got something for the farmers and for the ranchers as well, uh, we will try to get uh, some information regarding, you know, what are the practices uh, that they accept in their programs, uh, what kind of payments uh, can producers expect uh, to receive if they participate, and um, do the programs work with tenants, that is, can leased land be enrolled in the program as well. Uh, we, depending on how it goes, we may talk a little bit about the uh, Growing Climate Solutions Act. What they think that, what they think of that, uh, what they think of the latest uh, climate uh, report from the United Nations, uh, saying that you know we need to get going on some of this stuff. So uh, it could be a very interesting discussion. There'll be plenty of time for question and answer. Uh, I've budgeted at least half the time for Q&A from the audience. Uh, So we hope to, to get good audience participation and hope to give folks a chance to get some of their questions answered so that they know a little bit more about how these things work
10: Dave, the last time you and I had an opportunity to visit, uh, the Center for Agricultural Profitability had just released a checklist of some of the, the biggest things that a producer should be considering and asking when they are uh, looking at entering one of these carbon credit uh, contracts. Are you getting some answers to some of those big picture questions that producers had maybe just a month or so ago with some of these organizations that you've brought on?
7: I know producers are interested in what do I, if I want to get into one of these programs, what do I have to do? what do i have to change uh you know do i have to do something differently can i keep doing what i'm doing um and you know what kind of what kind of return am i going to get what are they going to pay me for it uh then of course they're going to have to do the pencil and paper work to figure out whether it pencils out for them uh whether it you know whether it's a, a winner or not um uh, and uh Maybe if, if people have these kinds of questions, they can ask some questions about the fine print. You know, what happens if, because of weather, I'm not able to, you know, do everything that we'd hoped we, uh, in terms of carbon storage or, you know, something like that, uh, get into some of those, some of those details as well. So that, that, uh, that may help flesh that out, but that'll also depend a little bit on what questions our producer audience, uh, have.
10: This webinar and the panel discussion taking place uh, at noon on August 12th. If D- Dave, if somebody wants to get registered and learn more information about this, what's the best website to direct them to?
7: They need to go to cap.unl.edu. C-A-P dot dot Uh, CAP stands for Center for Ag Profitability. Uh, There should be an announcement up there. Very good. Well, thanks for
10: stopping by with this information. Dave Vakin, he's within the Department of Agricultural Economics at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting on the Rural Radio Network.
1: Good afternoon as we take a look at what's happening in the closing grain futures. John Payne joins us. He's Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And what a better place to talk about grain and what's been happening than at the NCBA meeting that's taking place in Nashville. So, great opportunity to talk about some feed opportunities for these cattle producers.
8: Absolutely. I think it's a different attitude than uh, years past, especially it's been two years since we've done anything like this. So, Interesting to talk to folks, uh kind of seeing what they're seeing on the policy side, specifically on the processing end. That's that's what I'm interested in. Um, you know, we look at feed feed margins tremendous even at these prices. Uh, you know, we've got double the cost of of corn essentially year over year and you have uh triple the cost of box beef. So, you know, the end users are making money here. Now it's a you know, a function of getting the new supply uh planned and pushed out and uh at this point in time I'm not sure. You know, we're at that level yet. So this is a, uh, it's a dynamic that I don't know if the, the beef, beef industry is prepared for, especially as they look to increase production next year.
1: We look at today. I mean, the corn market finished pretty much uh, on the steady, even though a little bit on the red. You look at that, are we going to see just some positioning ahead tomorrow, ahead of Thursday's report?
8: Yeah, I don't think anything's changed. And even tomorrow, I don't know. I mean, I try not to, to really guess. It's, 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 a, it's a fool's errand, in my opinion, to try to guess what the USDA is going to do based off of anything. You know, you look at the data we have. We're we're below five-year averages, yet you could see a yield three or four bushels above where we were three years ago, uh, just the way the the trend math works out, I guess. So tomorrow we'll look for, or Thursday rather, 15 billion bushels. If it's if it's under that, I think the market will like it in corn. If it's not, I think obviously, uh um, you know, we're we're well priced for the new crop, and and I think they're going to have to pry from the farmers' hands anyway. Well,
1: One of your thoughts on the way these soybeans traded today with some nice double digits.
8: Well, yeah, the the, the soybean markets are. Twofold. One, you have the new crop prices that have reflected a pretty good value here, and then August, which went into delivery, is trading almost a dollar, dollar ten over the, the September. So you have this dynamic that's in beans not showing up yet in the new crop spreads. So the way I look at it, it's like any market that you're seeing in livestock, the, the cash is over the board. Look for the board to perform as we get closer to delivery.
1: What do you see in weather-wise? I know that we had some showers that moved through and hit some areas drastically. Do you think that might have any effect on on trading no, thoughts? I mean, then-
8: the shower up north, and I think you want to see it in Kansas, but up north, I'm really not. I mean, it's too late to a certain degree for for most of those folks. So, short term here, I think we'll uh, we'll kind of weigh things out and try to figure out what uh, you know what the next year's per tonnage will be. But my opinion here, you've got uh, you've got weather that's supportive and the prices where they are. I think that's good for the farmer.
1: All right, sounds good. Thanks so much, John Payne, joining us. He is with Daniel's Ag Marketing. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
0: Thank you very much, Susan. That wraps up midday on this Tuesday. Catch the midday podcast sponsored by DaVinny Motors. Rubber podcasts are available or KRVN.com.